0: the teachings of the apostles, or the catechism of the early church. Join Pastor Hook in today's teaching of the Didache. We are in Didache, chapter 11. We left off with verse 8, uh, and now we are in verse 9. So uh, let's just take a look and see what it says. And no prophet who orders a meal in a spirit shall eat of it, Otherwise, he is a false prophet, and every prophet who teaches the truth, if he do not, what he teaches is a false prophet. So this tells me that everyone in Washington, D.C. is a false prophet because they enact laws which they don't have to live by. Um, That's maybe a little bit flippant or facetious, but uh, as you all know, I don't have a huge love for some of the shadier things that go on in Washington, D.C., of which they happen all the time. But a prophet, if you'll remember, a prophet is a gifting from God, where somebody understands God's word deeply, uh, reflects on God's word deeply. They love to do that. They love to spend time in what Luther would call tentatio, where you understand, you read God's word, and that you let that God's word sit in you, and you are a person that loves to meditate on God's word day and night so that you can take a look at the world around you and say, this is how God's word interacts with the world around us. That type of personality, people who really can discern God's word uh, with respect to the world around them, those people are called prophets. And they are people who can use that gifting from God to try to extort things from the world around them, so you can imagine in the early church that if you get words from God or if you understand God's word, then you could have a lot of power. You could go into a town or village and and create lots of havoc. You could you could um, you could say God wants you to give me all your money, uh, and you can see how in the early church that a false prophet could do things. A false prophet could say that he's a true prophet, go into a town or a village and use his status as a prophet to uh, to game the system so that he could have things for himself. And that was a very real prop, you know, real possibility for the early church. How do we know if this is really from God or if this is just something that's trying to game the system? And so that's really what chapter 11 is talking about. And he says, well, if you order a meal in the Spirit, uh, and no prophet who orders a meal in the Spirit shall eat of it. So the way I read this is a prophet comes in and it's all about himself. It's all about what I can get and not about how we can serve other people. Um, We talked yesterday about a meal, you know, people who are so connected from God, they speak as if they're from God. Of course, nobody does this perfectly, but one of the ways that the early church would tell whether or not uh, a person was a true prophet or not a true prophet was whether or not they were self-directed or they're directed outwards. One of those ways, of course, is a prophet says, you know, I'm, I'm a, I need a meal now, you have to give me a meal because God says you need to give me a meal. Remember, uh, in the early church, um, there wasn't a lot of wealth or possessions. People were living day to day. So there was was a wealthy elite, one or two percent, right? There's always that wealthy elite. But the vast majority of people live what we would call in the middle middle class. And back 2,000 years ago, they didn't have a lot of wealth. And so the only way that really a prophet could um, garner something from the middle class was a meal. Uh, And so if they order a meal, if they say, you know, God's told you to feed me, um, that is, that's a sign of a false prophet. Uh, so we talked about this yesterday. If, if somebody, it's all about them and all about how God, uh, ne- they, and it's all about how God is telling me that you need to give me money uh, or possessions or whatever, that's the sign of a false prophet. So stay away from those people. And I believe that there are signs of those people on on, um, you know, TV and the internet and all that sort of thing. We can't know for sure. but what we can do is take their words and how they're acting in the world and seeing are they more concerned about changing the world or loving the world or being the hands of feet in Jesus in the world? Or are they more concerned about building their empire? Uh, so that they can look better i mean that that truly is a very very fine line and it's one that the early church knew that prophets apostles teachers all these people can game the system for their own benefit as opposed to the benefit of the kingdom of god so you have to be aware of that that's what i think we're talking about here and if if and every prophet who teaches the truth if he doesn't do what he teaches he's a false prophet so Another part of this is if you say, do as I say, but not as I do, that's a sign of a false prophet, folks. Uh, Prophets should be able to live by the words that they say. So I would say any teacher uh, or any prophet needs to have spiritual disciplines that are, um, they need to have strong spiritual disciplines. Now they actually teach this in seminary. They they teach what you know that you should do a daily devotion or a daily Bible study or spend time and with God in prayer. I've added spiritual disciplines on, pos, on t- part of that. On top of that, um, that because it is it is a false prophet who doesn't do the thing. If if I'm asking any Christian or encouraging any Christian to spend time in the word of God, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in those spiritual disciplines, but I'm not doing them myself, then I am I am on the path of being a false prophet. So I need to be doing that if I'm going to be sharing the word of God with other people. All right, well, let's continue on. Uh, verse 11, but no prophet who has been tried and is genuine, though he enact worldly mystery of the church, if he Teach not others to do what he does himself. He shall not be judged by you. So this almost sounds counterintuitive to what he just said, or what they just said. But uh, if there is a prophet and, and you know that he's a prophet, as that prophet gets more, um, um, what what is it, gravitas? In other words, the older and wiser a person is, the more I think uh, you can you can. If a person has faithfully followed the word of God for seventy years, you know he's not going to turn away from that. If you've seen over the course of time that it's all been about uh, the kingdom and and studying God's word and prayer and, and spiritual disciplines, they're not going to change. They're not going to go away from that. Uh, the older they get, so if if they've been tried and they appear to be genuine. Uh, and then they give you a teaching that seems strange then it is it is worth listening to that because the older and wiser person is I think maybe God uh, gives more wisdom and guidance the older person gets or the deeper the deeper their root system gets um so if he teach so if he teach not others to do what he does himself he shall not be judged to you so if i'm doing things myself, but I'm not teaching others to do that, then you shall not be judged. For he has a judgment with God, so also did the prophets of old. So basically, I think the bottom line of all of this is that the older and wiser people get, uh, they're going to see and and discern things from God that may seem strange from somebody who's younger and new to the faith. So uh, listen to your elders. They are very, very important. This is a lesson that I know the people in our congregation who are older, I value them so much because they've lived uh, their life in these things for such a long time. They are very, very much worth listening to. And I'm very, very grateful for them. Uh, let's continue on. Verse 12. But whoever shall say in a spirit, give me money or something else, you shall not listen to him. But if he tell you to give on behalf of others in want, let none judge him. So, and this is, this is very, very, uh, if, a, if a false prophet says, give me money uh, because God's telling me you to give me money. No, 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 no. Uh, but if it's, I believe God's called you to pool our resources to give to our world or to do something on behalf of the world, I believe that that is okay. So, and, and that's actually what we do as a church. The whole purpose of a church in a local community is where Christians come together and they pool their time, talent, and resources so that they can leverage each other's blessings to be more effective in the world around them. That is basically what a local congregation, that's what they do. If you look in Acts 2, they came together for the apostles' teaching, a fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, and they pooled their resources. They gave to anyone who had a need. So that is an important part of being church. So, and, and there will be people that come together and say, let's pool our resources and do this for the community or do this for the world or do this for this family or whatever. And it's not about the prophet. Those things are perfectly fine. And I think the early church was trying to deal with that because you can see how the words of Jesus could be um, the, the way that Jesus lived. I mean, Jesus gave his all for his disciples, including his life, but he lived a life of austerity. And so if you are of a person and you become a Christian, you have means, you can see how the Christian church could easily um, try to, uh, to game the system to where the leaders in the church could use that wealth for their own personal gain, right? They could go to a person of wealth and say, uh, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. And oh, by the way, I'm going to skim off the top. That is not, that is not how Christianity works. Although, it does seem like it at point at times, but um, that might even be a charge that a lot of the people in the world have today against Christianity. It just seems like they're only concerned about themselves and building their own empires as opposed to uh, loving the world around them. And my prayer for all Christian churches uh, across the world is that they be as, I mean, obviously part of. Part of the role of a church, a local congregation, is to teach God's word, is to be more effective, to come together, pool our resources. So it looks like some of the stuff we do is more inwardly focused. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to have that outward focus also, where we're focusing on the world around us. It's a balance to focus on both both things Um, and not to focus on one or the other uh, exclusively. Like... Well, I, I mean, you could, you could come together and pool all your resources just to love the world around you. I mean, that would be a fine thing. But, but you also have to grow in your faith and your knowledge of the word of God and those sort of things. So at some level, a church has to be doing those things also. Um, so uh, that, is, that is a discussion about, about teachers and prophets and apostles. And it's very important. Uh, but let's let's move into chapter 12. This is about traveling Christians. Let whoever let everyone who this is uh, chapter 12, beginning of verse one. Let everyone who comes in the name of the Lord be received. But when you have tested him, you shall know him. for you shall have understanding of true and false. If he who comes as a traveler, help him as much as you can but he shall not remain with you more than two days or if need be three. So again, this is basically not even necessarily uh, teachers or prophets or apostles. This is just anyone who's a Christian because there is this sense that Christians should be there for other Christians, right? That we're all part of the church of God. We're all part of the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so there should be Christian charity even towards other Christians. So a Christian comes into town and says, hey, um, help me out. Now, I have a story about this. Um, when we were living in Vail uh, and we had to go back to the seminary, we uh, we I sent uh, my wife and children left earlier than I did because they had to get started to go into the fourth year of seminary and I was still staying here in Vail wrapping up a few things she broke down in the middle of nowhere and we she had no money uh we at the end of the vicarage year um was was probably uh in our whole life the the lowest amount of funds we ever had (laughs) uh since we were married uh so we um so they were all depleted. And so when she went back to, to St. Louis, um, she went back and, uh, she broke down and, uh, she called a local congregation and there was a pastor there and the pastor and the families of those congregation just helped her out immensely until I could get up there till the car could be fixed. And we could, um, you know, we could get that whole situation taken care of. Uh, and, So there is a sense of in an immediate need or uh, if there is somebody with an immediate need, we should help. Governments can't meet immediate needs. Uh, I'm not even sure they can meet any needs, to tell you the truth, because governments get so big, it's so easy to game the system. You know, needs like that are more one-on-one and a case-by-case basis. And a church or the church of God, people who are in the church of God are much better um, much better uh, organized to be able to tell, is this a true need or is this a false need? And uh, so that's the beauty of the church is that they can, they can really dig in and see if this is a right thing or wrong thing. And it takes a very, very mature Christian person to be able to dig through that and to see how we want to help. And, and I think our system is a phenomenally good system. Uh, because we help people out in need all the time, but it is a discernment process for every, for each and every one of them. Um, but uh, you could see how somebody could come in. And we've had people like this come into our church, uh, and and then find out that they've been to seven different churches, and you know, and they're 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 trying to game each each church, uh, and that is that is not good. So. Um, let everyone who comes, when somebody comes, you know, and says, hey, I have a need, uh, receive him and test him. Uh, and you'll be understand if he's true or false. If he comes, but if he stays longer than two or three days, you know, if he asks over and over and over again or asks other churches, you know, or appears to be gaming the system, you know, let those alms sweat in your hand before you figure out how to do it. You know, how to, to give those things out. Um, verse three of chapter 12. And if he wishes to settle among you and has a craft, well, let him work for his bread. But if he has no craft, provide for him according to your understanding so that no man shall live among you in idleness because he is a Christian. But if if he will not do so, he is making traffic of Christ, beware of such. So this is fascinating also. You have somebody that comes into your community and they say, I'm a Christian. And so you help them out and they get that help. And so they kind of continue to game that whole thing. Uh, and you have to watch out for that in the church. I mean, this is, this is something that churches really, really need to struggle with. Um, it does no one no good. If you have the ability to care for yourself, then you should care for yourself. Now I know that there's a There are government programs and all sorts of things that if you declare disability, you can be helped and all that sort of thing. That's the government system. And the government, you know, is imperfect as it is, tries to do as best as it can. But over time, every government system becomes corrupt. It almost seems like it needs to be burned down and start again. We have so many government programs now and I, the older I get, and the more involved I get in some of these government programs, I realize they are messed up and broken, and they don't work. And they try to do their. It's not the people. It's just that the government systems have become so entrenched, and they're so disconnected with the families they're trying to help, or the people they're trying to help, that it's just it's just gone amuck. And so that system's broken. Fine, but there's still the church. Our system isn't broken because we've got Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, working through us to make the world a better place. And so we can do a lot more and a lot better as the church of God outside of any government system. And that's and maybe when the government systems are broken, that's when the church needs to step up and really start to solve some of the problems that exist in our world today. Because it does nobody, if you have the ability to and I just don't see how anybody doesn't have the ability today to, to do some things, you know, for the kingdom. Uh, I, there are some people, obviously, that can't. But, but Christ does call us to give of our time, talent, and treasures at some level back to the world around us. And um, it is very rare to find somebody that can't do, do something for the kingdom and when you do that for the kingdom it boosts your confidence it boosts your connection with god it boosts your spirit it helps you see that the world isn't all about you but it's around the, it's about the world around you and then you live a, a wonderful and full life because it's not about you it's about loving the world around you I mean, that's basically the message of jesus right it's not about you i i've called you you are mine you're in the kingdom you're going to be with me forever Uh, And any gift that I give you isn't just a gift for you, but it is a gift for you to use to love the world around you. And that's basically what the church has been called to do. And you can do that at any level of income. You can do that at any level of skill. You can do that at any level of time. Any, Any gift that God has given you, you can certainly take a portion of that and give it to the world around you. There's absolutely no question, absolutely no question. Unless you are really, 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 really um, sick, uh, really, really, you know, there's what they would call demons, but you know, things where you cannot take care of yourself, and those are the things that we should pray, we should, um, we should lay on of hands, we should, you know, do what the early church did. Uh, to try to get those people back to a point where they can be healed and they can take care of themselves. Um, Those are the things the church should do. All right, so I think that kind of takes us to the end of this traveling Christian thing. Um, I believe next time we'll get into, next episode we'll get into chapter 13, which is still some more teaching about prophets. Um, And... uh, And then we get into, there's about, I can't remember how many, but we're getting close to the end of the Didache and it is truly an exciting thing. So I think we'll leave it there and um, let's close in prayer. Gracious God, help us to discern true prophets, true teachers, true Christians that are more concerned about your kingdom than they are even concerned about themselves. And help us to be more concerned about the kingdom than we are about ourselves. Give us your strength and your peace and your wisdom. Until we meet again tomorrow, keep us in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.